This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two dollar bin comics you only bought for the cover, Nick White. Hey. And Kate Lamphier. Hi. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm very excited to be talking about comic books with the both of you. It is episode 262. Uh, let's let's get into the thing that I have to ask every week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick. Uh, you know, things things have been fine. Um, Michigan Weather Watch is uh, definitely a segment in full effect for today. Um, at present, uh, it is blowing outside yeah it's it's not good we have a high wind warning uh for for those who who need this uh it remains in effect until 10 p.m this evening so wow you know for those of you listening um you know a a a, a broken clock is is right twice a day so maybe this forecast pertains to you so i don't want to hear anything about oh nick you know i'm gonna listen to this four days later Mm-hmm. No, this this could be pertinent. So you, know. you never know. If you aren't sure, just go stick your head outside. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, beyond that, uh, shitty weather means I just end up reading more, which is which is perfectly fine. And I've been getting a a good amount of that done. Uh, I read uh, Rye number nine recently. I know it seems like uh, I'm a broken record, but honestly, this book is really, really, really good. Uh, so I got, for those of you saying this isn't out, uh, we got an advanced copy. Um, and I think people who have enjoyed this book are going to find it uh, just continues to be absolutely fantastic. And And what I like about this issue is that we've seen in the Rye series, this most recent one, that Rye has really tried to, um, he doesn't really want to be the leader anymore. He doesn't really want to be a fighter anymore. And it's not like that sort of like bullshit moody stuff where someone is like, I swear off all weapons and I'm never going to fight again. And I just, I just want to run my yoga studio or whatever. Um, right. Like he's just like, you know what? Like, it's not really my thing. Um, we all know that Sith deal in absolutes and that's, and that's not right. Like he's sort of like, you know what? Not really my thing. I don't really want to be in an authority position. I don't really want to fight, but if it comes down to it, you know, I will, it's fine. Um, and that sort of plan has worked pretty well up until this point. Um, so for those who forgot, for those who, who, who are deeply vested in this, um, Rai's been having to collect all of these, um, basically, like a baker's dozen of, of I don't know, Sandisk flash drives that his his evil dad slash not dad father backed himself up onto, and mm-hmm. you got to catch them all. So if father gets all of them, he'll be at full power again. Whatever. Um, and Wait, Rai's been but- going around trying to find them and destroy them. So, but what if just Rai? What if Rai just takes one? doesn't that prevent father from like completing himself their self right so i mean maybe the 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 hard drive backing up you know analogy starts to to fail a little but with each one that father gets he becomes more powerful so it's not like you can't do anything until you have the full set 
Gotcha. Which I guess now it's in Dragon Ball territory, right? Because like you can't do anything without <laughs> all of them, right? So basically, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so for those needing, you know, an analogy, it's 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 uh, it's not like Dragon Ball. Like the more you have, the more powerful you are. But um, once you get all of them, that's like point of no return levels of power. I see. I so Rise been going around and 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 blowing them up and and destroying them, and and that's been working out in mixed results. This issue gets a, a little bit iffy because the source in which these new ones have been placed might make it a little difficult because they're in a minor spoilers. This one's been embedded in a person. Um, so I mean, for a book that I, I think it actually came out last week, I should just just correct you from earlier. I think it came out the, on the 11th. So if you haven't read Rye number nine yet, you know, don't oh. go too far to the spoilers, Nick. Right, right, yeah, and 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 that that's sort of the hook. If you're saying Nick, you just revealed the whole thing. No, like that's the hook. It's way more complicated and trickier than that. But okay, I think that okay. that's a good. I think Dan Abnett put it in a really kind of tricky to navigate place. So I liked that. I'll also say I briefly read BPRD, uh, Hellboy and the BPRD, nineteen fifty-five. Uh, this is made up of the one shots, uh, one shot stories, Secret Nature. Um, which featured uh, Sean Martinsborough on pencils and um, uh, the miniseries Occult Intelligence with art by Brian Chirilla and Burning Season, um, which is another one shot by Paolo and Joe Rivera on art. Again, uh, as per usual with this series, Mike Mignola and Chris Roberson of iZombie fame, um, just Roberson, Mignola, to my knowledge, was not involved in iZombie, mm-hmm. um, did all of the writing. I was definitely most excited about Burning Season. I thought Paolo and Joe Rivera did an absolutely stellar job when they did the miniseries Hellboy in the BPRD 1953, Beyond the Fences, which was like Hellboy meets um, Norman Rockwell Suburbia. I thought that was an absolutely really great series. Um, This one begins with a caption that informs the reader that the story is taking place in Florida, which I mean, I get that this is a horror book, but you don't need to show your hand right out of the gate (laughs) this is in florida all right i'm done like that's it thanks for playing i'm done with this i'm done with this story wait so wait were they hunting like the cryptid known as florida man or is there something else going on here um it is a case of like a good x-files cold open you have a couple they get lost i assume in northern florida car pulls off by the side of the road Mm-hmm. woman's leaning on the side of the car with the map guy goes out into the woods you know goes out into the deep woods to go take a piss and i gotta say like um mike mignola really flips the script here because normally right normally it's the guy who's like i'm gonna go take a deep woods piss he's the guy right. who ends Plastic. up dying right like mm-hmm. so so i i want to thank mike mignola for advocating for deep woods pissers and 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 flipping the script because it's the woman who's hanging out by the car with the map who spontaneously combusts. Mm. Um, uh, right, we needed something from the deep woods pisser to return to that was right, tragic. Right, and so again, like uh, you know, it's got everything that's absolutely scary. It's got Florida. It's got nature. Um, it's got fears of um. <laughs> relieving oneself in in places that don't have actual plumbing um 
And then just when you think it can't get even more worse, there's spontaneous combustion, followed by the fact that all of this is happening right next door to what appears to be a haunted, abandoned theme park full of very scary, like, 1950s, super shitty, like, large-scale dinosaur sculptures that may or may not be haunted. And if you've ever gone on YouTube and looked at, like, abandoned theme park videos where people go in with, like, a GoPro at, like, 2 in the morning and you're like, someone is going to die, like... Mike Mignola has somehow gotten through the tinfoil hat and is actively tapping into all of my fears now. <laughs> oh, good. So the, you're welcome, Mike. Now, also, now you, where's my check? This, you've admitted all of this to the listeners. Now they know how to get to you. You, yeah. you fool. It's on the record. You can't <laughs> take it back. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, I just... Uh, uh, what what an amazing way to tap into so many things I'm scared of in 22 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Other than that, I'll just briefly say I started Resident Alien. It's the new. Um, it's not a new series, but it's going to be a show for sci-fi with Alan Tydic. Um, Alien crashes on Earth, assumes the role of a backwoods doctor, and it's actually kind of small timey and quaint. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't read much of that. I'll have more feed feedback later so gotcha gotcha well i just want to say that you know the discord is blown up with uh deep woods pissers everyone really loves it i can tell um look no look, one's mad I about it. No one's done like, with it we've seen this happen so many times right i'm gonna stay by the car you go into the woods i have to go to the bathroom and then they always punish the person who needs to go to the bathroom right like right, right, right. some of us have overactive bladders and we shouldn't be killed by cryptozoological creatures all of the time just because we have to go to the bathroom a lot it's not it's not fair like there should be a commercial on tv that is is promoting some drug for those of us who you know taking a big trip worried about bigfoot dismembering you um Mm -hmm. you know take such and such yeah well we've already spent too much time on this so i'm just gonna move right on kate (laughs) Um, how are you? How have your comics been? What have you been reading? Uh, I'm I'm pretty good. Comics have been uh, also pretty good. <laughs> um, I have most recently read Skyward Volume 1. This was by Joe Henderson with art by Lee Garber and colorist. Uh, the colorist was Antonia Fabella. Um, I've read this because I've been trying to do this Pop Sugar reading challenge and um, which is like sixty mm-hmm. something books that you're supposed to read in a year, and I'm down to the last like nine. And of course, you know, I'm not sure that I can finish it. So I'm like, okay, comics count now. Uh, <laughs> what can I read for this? Uh, there's something upside down on the cover challenge, and it was it was this. So ah, uh, cheater. I see. I mean, yeah. sorry. Good, good, good pick. Uh. <laughs> Look, uh, it was a lot of books to try to read in 12 months. So here I am. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. 60 books in a year is a lot. I mean, yeah. prose books is one thing. Like, you have to incorporate something shorter, right? Do novellas count? Do children's books count? Like, come on. Right. So, but I, but I did end up really liking this book, and I think I'm going to continue with the series. Um, so the premise is that one day the Earth's gravity mm-hmm. just flips off. Um people and objects float onto space and get stuck in the orbit around the earth it kind of looks like uh they like they like zoom out from earth and it kind of looks like earth has a ring around it but then it's like 
it's like buses and uh people and uh stuff mail like uh so anyway uh the story picks up 20 years later following a girl named Willa whose mom died during that that flip off of gravity and whose dad mm-hmm. hasn't left the apartment in almost that whole time. Willa's a really great yeah. character. I like her. She's great. She's enthusiastic. Um, she basically parkours from one building to the, to the other as a courier. But like there's stuff hanging off buildings so that people can like grab onto them if they start floating away. Um, oh, yeah. And uh but there's still that problem of like capitalism is a thing. So the antagonist of this book is a man who got very rich by developing magnetized products that let the elite pretend like gravity is still working. So it's like their shoes will magnetize <laughs> to the sidewalks and such. Right, right, right. Um, and this guy's determined Real to stage keep... capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is determined to keep gravity turned off uh, to keep the money rolling in. But what Willow wants to find a way to turn gravity back on, retor- restore things to normal, you know, have her dad leave the apartment uh and turns out that her dad might know what happened and uh, why gravity flipped off and why her mom ended up dying and of course this all goes much deeper than than you would think from this nice like kind of fun book about parkouring mm-hmm. off of buildings um there are two more volumes on hoopla so i think that this is a series that i'm probably gonna finish i think that that's the rest of the series don't quote me on that but yeah, it looks like it. Uh, according to the Amazon description, it says like Skyward Volume Three collects the conclusion of the hit series. Yeah, so, so it was a, qu- a good, quick read. I really liked the art. Um, diverse cast of characters. It's pretty mm-hmm. much up my alley. So um, I'm glad that I accepted that my pop sugar reading challenge could be comics. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't That's this? Great. Wasn't was this 2012? What wasn't there a movie where Earth's polarity got like instantaneously reversed and like or inverted and a whole bunch of bad shit started happening yeah i i feel like i know what you're talking about and there's like a giant elevator that sends you through the center of the planet i don't know somebody discord i want you guys to figure that out for us uh all right so let's move on uh i i just because (laughs) i uh i want to bring up some comics that i read because i'm excited about them specifically i started rereading die uh by kieran gillen and stephanie hans because i can't keep track of the characters in this book for some reason i don't know i don't know what it is but like everybody's sad and everybody's in a particular like blend of sad and i can't keep them apart uh and a lot of things happen plot wise that i just couldn't remember and after the whole like delay in publishing because of covid and all this other stuff i kind of was just like I don't know what's happening. I started, I tried to read like issue 13 or 14 or something and I just could not keep it straight. So I decided to start from the beginning, made some realizations about characters that I missed apparently the first time I started reading it. And uh, yeah, it's still good. It's still sad. Um, Makes me just want to play tabletop RPGs um, and not make my friends sad. Like I want to do the exact opposite of what's happening and die, but still have that level of character involvement. So I don't know if it's possible, but I, I, I've been you know digging the reread. Um, otherwise, I did read My Hero Academia uh, 290 and 291. And while I feel like I don't bring up a lot of the weekly Shonen Jump books that I read like weekly, um, with the exception of One Piece, and we'll get there, um, I, I want to talk about these last two chapters because My Hero Academia for me for the past maybe like 
30-ish chapters since this whole, for those of you who are caught up, you know, there's a huge fight that's going on. There's been a huge fight that's going on and it's characters jumping back and forth to the point in some places where you have no idea what's going on. And I think that's been like a huge criticism of the series is that the fights are very complicated and the paneling is very weird. And I, I still really love the series because I know that they were going to get to a point where something was going to be delivered, but it just felt like everything was amping up in one direction in a way that I wasn't really a fan of, but I was going to keep reading. And then there was a bombshell of a drop that happened in 290 that totally broke my brain um, and kind of made me rethink a lot of the last 100, 150 chapters of the series, which is amazing, right? This is this is called really good storytelling. And even though apparently people on the internet... Uh, predicted the big Fuck twist em. that happened no no i you know i don't i don't i'm not a i'm not a fan oh, or sorry, a i was person. just i was just trying to have your back immediately yeah no like if I, you don't want it <laughs> message received all, all i'm saying is that like a lot of people apparently predicted this twist in the story and i didn't see it coming because i'm not the type of person that like tries to overly predict things and i know i've probably done it on the show a zillion times which makes me a hypocrite but <laughs> i i really like as i was reading this series like there's so many complicated gonna roll things. in a super cut right yeah, here yeah. of like a five minute montage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so all, all i'm saying is i didn't see this coming i really like the twist that they made it makes a lot of sense and it there is nothing wrong with the twist that doesn't defy your expectations right um i think that throwing in something that maybe people could have seen a million like years or coming from a million miles away is totally fine if it works in the story and enriches it um you're not disappointing your fans by making all the things that click together click so um i'm very happy with what happened 291 is even an even further pushing of that holy shit moment that happens at the end of 290 so like if you're someone that's catching up on the trades or you only read the collected editions of the series, man, you have something coming in a couple volumes that is really going to floor you. And I promise that it is worth it to push through some of the rougher fighting chapters just to get to that point. So Kohi Horikoshi uh, has totally floored me and I'm back super invested in the series. And a lot of the people that I've talked to online about this feel the exact same way. We've kind of just been pushing through, hoping for something to happen that would be really interesting. And it finally happened and we're all back on board. Um, everyone in the discord are freaking out about something. I don't know what it is, yeah. but uh, anyways, uh, the last thing I do want to do before we move into comic picks is got to give my one piece update. So Xander, could you roll the clip? nice uh, i'm on 975 again five chapters a week i'm taking my sweet time it's like it's like eating the last bit of like a 24 ounce steak that was just the best and while you're very full you're also enjoying the flavor uh and jeff in the discord is on 973 we are going to hit chapter 1000 when 1000 comes out everyone i'm so excited and then after that we're going to read another big manga series or probably not a big manga series but something that a whole group of people can read that's digestible like demon slayer or haiku or something like that we'll see but anyways one piece is amazing still fantastic gotta love the the big art wano arc that's going on um and yeah so let's uh let's move on let's talk about comic books that are coming out this upcoming week comics are dropping on november 18 2020 what are you both excited for this week let's start with you kate I'm excited for Jim Hintz's storyteller, Ghosts. Um, Ooh. The anthology is credited to Mike uh, Laszlo and Jennifer Rutowski, but every issue is a different story with a different creative team. So they're, okay. these these books are basically, um, they're themed books where you, you might recognize 
the like characters in them you might have heard of them but the way that they're interpreted and written about um are are completely unique and original um i've mm-hmm. read jem henson's storyteller witches recently and then i've been slowly working my way through the um the fairies book and these stories are whimsical and a little bit dark um and they're like a reinterpretation of an old fairy tale for the most part but i have to wonder if because there are or I know of fewer fairy tales that involve ghosts in comparison to witches and fairies. So I'm, I'm wondering if this particular volume is going to be a little bit more like um, totally unique stories. Um, mm-hmm. But it turns out that the storyteller was a TV show a couple of decades ago where the character okay. of the storyteller was played by John Hurt and he would tell stories to a talking dog while sitting in front of a fireplace. <laughs> That's <laughs> no <laughs> um. Oh, no. <laughs> uh the stories in this in these comics are kind of introduced by that same character combo so the storyteller will be like you know i heard of the story that i'm about to tell you and then the dog will say something like like question it and the storyteller will be like just you wait um Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so it's very take you back to the humane society it will happen if you keep that attitude yeah Sorry. So the storyteller himself is like, it's a very like quaint, cute, whimsical setting. But then you go into these stories that are kind of dark. Um, oh, yeah. The, all the Jim Henson storyteller stuff I've read is like grim fairy tale style. Like, I mean, it's probably not as brutal, but it's still pretty dark for a kid's story. Kind of like that. Uh, what is it? The Crystal Legend of the Crystal Kingdom skull with the Muppets. I can't remember what it's called. Like <laughs> Dark Crystal, maybe? The, the, the Indiana Jones Muppet crossover. We yeah, never the Indiana, sorry, yeah. Dark Crystal, thank you. That's a, that show is pretty dark. Those Skeksis things scare the living shit out of me. So, like, Jim Henson is capable of some dark stuff. Yeah, I might need to track down this show, but I'm definitely going to be reading, like, all of these books. And there's quite a few of them on Hoopla already. Nice, nice. Uh, Nick, what about you? What have you been reading or what are you excited for, Jesus Pete's? There were definitely a couple contenders here. There was a new AVP book, but I wasn't really that excited about the creative team on it. And like AVP is fine, but in in the Nick White hierarchy of um, Xenomorphs, it's 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 definitely aliens. Uh, then AVP, because I guess Predator is okay, right? And then beneath that is 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 Predator all by itself, because uh, who cares? Predators are jerks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, they did manage to, you know, get Adrian Brody off of Earth, which I guess made things slightly more palatable. But mm-hmm. beyond that, they're jerks. Um, so I opted for this week instead to go with, um, Sea of Sorrows, number one. This is from IDW. Uh, it's by the creative team of Rich Dudek, uh, writing and Alex Cormick on art. And, uh, apparently this creative team did a book last year called Road of Bones. And you might be shocked to know that with a title like Road of Bones, um, it's not like a slice of life title about like some quirky cat cafe owner who just got out of uh-huh. a long term two year relationship and she just <laughs> wants to focus on her cats now. OK, uh-huh. it's not it's not it's not a I, I mean, I, OK, some of us thought it was going to be about that, but it, it wasn't about that. Uh, it was about Soviet gulags in the 1950s um, yeah. and trying to escape, which I mean, I feel like that's a redundant statement. I don't think anyone really wanted to be there. Um, mm-hmm. 
That said, I, I think that that's a good framing device for Sea of Sorrows because clearly this team is interested in sort of honing in on certain parts of history that maybe, um, at least from a narrative perspective, we're not seeing a lot of stories out of. And and maybe that's just like me from an American-centric perspective saying, well, if it didn't happen uh, in these great United States, then, you know, uh, why do I need to learn about the rest of the world? I guess mm-hmm. this is going to get real dark now. Um, so this story, Sea of Sorrows, um, it's set at the tail end of the 1920s which uh, is really interesting for me because you think of the 1920s and it's basically what uh, flagpole sitting, goldfish eating, live goldfish eating, flappers, jazz, people doing crazy things and a lot of uh, drugs. But this actually has to do with how um, you have this group of treasure seekers um, post-World War I. They're going out into the North Atlantic to try to get their hands on um, to sort of scavenge some of the wreckage from World War One, including this German U-boat that apparently has a bunch of gold on it. The Germans are always sure. leaving gold in places during wars, right. I guess, apparently. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, if, if you wanted a MacGuffin, it would just be just uh, Germans and, and gold. Um, so they're going to go down and it it looks, the art looks amazing. And it's all of those like deep sea diver suits that look like something like the big daddies wear in Bioshock. And mm-hmm. again, basically a book with everything I'm terrified of. It's, it's claustrophobia and sharks and a severe lack of having one's own personal space and large open bodies of water and mermaids that aren't at all interested in being a part of your world, quote unquote. Um, uh, I guess that's what they said in that Disney movie. Uh, and and sharks again. I just want to reemphasize sharks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it looks terrifying. Again, I feel like he, this team is kind of honed in on, you know, a little niche of history that you don't really see, you know, certainly in terms of comics. I haven't really seen like a 1920s post-World War One you know, narrative. So I'm, I'm interested in it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yes. It does seem to have a very obligatory cheesecake mermaid cover that has several very deliberately placed bubbles. I'll leave it at that. I think that that probably spells it all out. And, you know, that's like, okay, maybe we didn't need to do that. But aside from that, uh, I'm, I'm interested. Okay. Well, I just want to say that I'm very mad at you, Nick. Mm. Um, because I distinctly remember you sending me a message of a list of books that I was not allowed to pick as my pick for this episode. That's right. Um, and you didn't pick any of those books that were on that list. I think. I did pick that book. I picked Sea of Sorrows. Okay. Well, I had to. I had, I'm just saying. I'm very mad at you. So I picked a book that I am excited about, but it wasn't my necessarily first pick. And now I've already got my notes here. So I'm just going to say I. I really wanted to pick the Barbalian book that's coming out, but. I couldn't because Nick had called dibs on it. Um, just saying. I like had dibs on like f- four books, to be fair, which right. was unreasonable. And, and I had to remove Bang Volume 1 because apparently my source had the date wrong. So, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Barbalian is just going to make, I think it's going to make me so sad. Like, I feel like that book is going to be really sad. Yeah. Have you read Captain or Colonel Weird? Because, (laughs) yes. Have you read Uh, all of the rest of Black Hammer? (laughs) Have you read Black Hammer? Anyway. Have you read Jeff Lemire's collected works? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I didn't pick uh, Barbalian, the new Barbalian book that's coming out, which is part of the Black Hammer verse for folks out there who are... um, you know still haven't had a chance to, to catch up um but i am going to talk about the book that i picked which is seven to eternity number 14 this is by rick remender with art by um jerome opina i'm gonna i'm probably saying his name wrong i feel bad with colors by uh matt hollingsworth and i just i picked this book mostly because i'm surprised that another issue came out because i just assumed <laughs> that the book was over honestly i remember you were had... not totally sold on this book out of the gate uh, well, I wasn't, and I kept reading it because I can't get away from Opeña's art. It's so good. Interesting. And so I'm like, all right, let's just let's just keep reading it. And I genuinely thought the book was over because we'd had. It's been quite a while since there was any news on it, and it's probably because I don't follow like the solicits as closely as I should, um, and I don't follow these creators online because I've got a whole thing about Rick Remender's books. But um, beyond too, that, like, I don't I, read them. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so there's a whole new arc. It sounds like this is going to be the wrap up arc to the series, which is good. I'm glad that we're actually going to get something that closes things out. However, I am extremely disappointed in the fact that a lot of really cool shit has happened in this book, and we're not going to get any more lore, any more world building, any more chance to expand upon a lot of the stuff that I think Remender built into this series. So um, it's unfortunate, but you know what? I'm glad that we're at least getting something to end it rather than just it being done with issue number 13. So uh yeah i'm probably gonna have to reread this whole series just like die um a lot of moving parts lots of characters lots of motivations um all which seems to they either all are all going to coincide in this last arc or we're just going to focus on the one story bit uh because characters broke up and like just like D, you should never split the party um but they did so <laughs> we are we're gonna see how this plays out i don't know um I don't know if you guys haven't read this book. It's beautiful. Like it's probably some of the coolest fantasy art you can you can see outside of something like Stephanie Hans or um, there's a couple other artists out there that are doing great fantasy work. But uh, yeah. So anyways, seven to eternity. Number 14 is my pick. And I guess we're going to take a quick break. And when we do, uh, when we come back, I guess we're going to talk about this comic book time machine thing. We did another episode about this before. We're going to do one again. And I had to scramble this week. Actually, not really. There's a lot of books that came out in October. But anyways, we'll talk about that when we come back from our break. For our show this week, we are revisiting a topic that we did a little bit earlier this year uh, that I thought was a lot of fun, uh, Comic Book Time Machine. Let's find a comic that was released the month and year you were born and discuss. No context, no backup stories, whatever you may find, just pick it up and read it. Uh, So Kate, myself, and Nick, we all grabbed the comic that came out in the year and the month that we were born. Uh, It's probably going to be roughly around the same time period, but... um, Nonetheless, we're going to talk about these. So just really quick, let's give some high level just understanding as to what we're going to be talking about today. So, Kate, what was the book that you picked? I picked because there was a bunch that came out. And I guess maybe give people the month and the year that you were born, if that's okay. Yeah, I was born in August 1988 and I picked John Constantine Hellblazer number eight. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's a lot. I'm going to I got a lot of questions. Nick, what about you? What did you pick? Uh, so I'm super old, and uh, so I picked Iron Man 205, which came out in April of 86. 
Okay. Um, I I I was half debating uh, droids number one, but Ooh. apparently, um, when Dark Horse compiled their dra- droids omnibus, they decided they weren't going to include this run. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then I was also looking at a Swamp Thing issue, but then Kate was doing Constantine, and I was like, someone's already kind of doing that Vertigo gotcha. Swamp Thing Constantine vibe. So I'm just there was there was some method to the to the madness. <laughs> Understandable. So uh, I was born in October of '88, and so I had actually a lot of stuff to pick from because if you look through the the archives of the internet and you find all the comics that came out in October of 1988, you'll find that there's a very big X Men event that started that month. I decided not to pick that X Men event. Wow. I'm saving it for a very special occasion. We'll, we'll find it. Um, but one day, one day I'll get to that. But I did pick Black Panther uh, number four of four that came out. So this is the last issue in a four issue miniseries, uh, which is great because it gives you the entire story all at once. So, um, yeah, I guess let's let's kind of get into this. I, I'm curious to know, you know, I've been on an episode of this already, so I kind of have done this before. And we all know that, you know, I, my favorite thing to say is just roll with the punches of comics. So I'm curious to know, Nick and Kate, um, maybe let's start with you, Kate. Like, what was it like just kind of diving in headfirst to a book that you've never read before? Um, and I don't know what your history is with John Constantine. So I'm curious to know what you thought. Yeah. So it turns out that I had actually tried reading the volume that this issue was in a couple of years ago, but I it, it didn't work for me. And I stopped reading it before okay. I even started like issue two. Um, wow, so and... you hate John Constantine is what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, no, like I, I was actually excited uh, to, to I lo- the, one of the reasons I chose this book is I had forgotten that I had tried reading it before, first of all. And I like John Constantine as a character when I've seen him in other things like the show adaptation, the movie um, he was in. He was probably my favorite part of Sandman Volume One, um, mm-hmm. so I was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, this this book that's his, you know, dedicated to him. It's his book. It's got to be something that I'm going to like, right?" Mm. Hmm. It's very British. It's so unapologetically British. Interesting. It's not even I, that. I've never it's, read this. It was very, very dark. Um, oh, oh, okay. Yes, that. I don't too, mean though. the huh. art. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, okay. So yeah, could you tell us a little bit about this book then? I mean, like, and what it was about even? Yeah. So I, um, because I had tried reading it before and because I wanted to read more about John Constantine and I had a reason to make it to issue eight, I did end up reading what came before it in the volume, which this was collected into uh, volume one, Original Sin. So it really is the very beginning of John Constantine, Mm -hmm. um, standalone story, at least. Uh, so I'm actually really glad that I that I did power through uh, before issue eight because all of the rest of the issues in this volume were were like they could have been standalone stories. There was like common mm-hmm. subplots, but for the most part, they focused on one thing except for issue eight. Um, <laughs> issue eight really felt like filler. <laughs> Sorry, Constantine. <laughs> um so for some context, John has a lot of guilt going into this issue. He had uh, he had recently rescued his niece from uh, um, a cultist, but he had found the bodies of three other young girls in the same house. So his niece was fine, but the other ladies were not fine. Um, and 
he starts dating a woman named Zed who is also somehow wrapped up with these same same people, same cultists, and she gets kidnapped by them. And then John has also been plagued by the ghosts of friends that he has not been able to save in like the previous years, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, so issue eight opens with John getting tortured in prison for doing something to a little girl. Um, and this goes on for uh, a number of pages until he okay. wakes up in a hospital in a full body cast. And this was some kind of fever dream. The prison stuff was not real, even though it went on for like a quarter of of the issue. Um, Hmm. And he's remembering that he had jumped off of a train to get away from the ghosts of his friends that are plaguing him. And he has like broken his whole body now. And he's like, there's somebody else in the room with me. I can feel it, but I'm not going to open my eyes for some reason. So there's at least a whole spread of him being felt up by a very gross looking tongue all over his face. Um, okay. And he finally opens his eyes and it's a demon who wants John to work with him to take down these same cultists. Um, and after settling some terms, John is like, okay, yeah, fine. We can do this, but I obviously can't like physically move right now to help you at the moment. <laughs> so the demon's yeah. like, that's fine. Um, hell has some healing powers. I just have to figure out how to make them heal you. So he, we just drips have to blaze demon it. blood. Hell blazed it. Right? Yeah. Is that what he yeah, said? Okay, yeah. Sorry. So he drips demon blood into John's IV, which Classic. looks very painful um, yeah. and awful. And throughout this whole issue, we're getting occasional panels of his girlfriend, Zed, being brainwashed by this cult that kidnapped her. And there's mm. an implication that she's pregnant. And they're also calling her Mary now for some reason. Um. Oh, I'm sure that doesn't have some sort of bigger implication right. in later stories. Right. So, yeah, it was just like it was a head scratch of an episode, really. Like I a lot happened uh, and I I want to finish the volume to see like how how it wraps up and how all these like otherwise episodic issues all tie together, because there's really felt like some kind of like break toward a a big wrap up like maybe Mm -hmm. the 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 following issues in this volume must be some kind of like big climax that really do um build on one another as opposed to the the previous seven issues that were just kind of separate um so but man this was a this was a lot uh and like i already like i was excited to read a book that was released around the time that I was born, partially because I haven't read a whole lot that was released even before 2000. um, But also because I'm interested to know how, like what comics culture, what comics were like when I was born, Mm -hmm. like when I, when my life started, what were comics doing? Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) it was this. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, you know, I want to put a pin in that and come back to that because that's a, that's an interesting point that I want to kind of get back to. um, But I want to hear what Nick's book was all about. Yeah. So Iron Man 205, uh, I picked it largely because I liked the creative team. You got Denny O'Neill, famous DC editor um, and and writer uh, who wrote this. And you got Mark Bright on pencils who would later uh, come to be known as MD Bright. And um, he drew Christopher Priest's absolutely fantastic Quantum and Woody run for Valiant Mm. um, in the 90s. And this was also when Jim Shooter was in charge of Marvel, for better or for worse, right? Thankfully, this issue appears to have been the beginning of a new arc or something like that. 
Mm -hmm. um, even though like all of the editor's notes are like super passive aggressive, like, <laughs> like they're like, not even been like, don't for, they're not even like, don't forget an issue for Tony Stark drank way too much whiskey. They're like, this, this, this references issue four, but you already knew that. It's like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. And it Very... continues. Like, there's another one where it's like, yeah, we all remember when this happened in, in issue 201. So I don't need to say anything else on this topic. I'm like, what, what, what? <laughs> it's, it's really mean. Like, they're, they're really mean editor's notes. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to put this all attacked. on Jim Shooter. This is all Jim. I, I think fault. it was Jim. I think it was Jim. Um, so uh, the cover has Iron Man and o and Modok, and I know next to nothing about Modok. I don't even. Is it a machine? A man? I machine I, I, only designed, only killing. I don't actually remember what it stands for. It's something like that. Machine okay. designed only for killing. I think. I don't know. Somebody in the chat, please let me know. Folks yeah. on Discord, you're the best. Thank you. So so this was back when people still put text on covers, which um, mm -hmm. that's not a knock. Like, I, I'm okay with that. But obviously, the industry has trended somewhat away from that. Uh, and it says Modoc is dead, and he's still giving Iron Man a hard time. And then, of course, the, the book begins, and um, like Iron Man is flying around in space. Um, he sees that like a government satellite is falling into the atmosphere, which he says, quote, this means that an, an important government communications link will be kaput. Uh, and so Tony Stark, ever the defender of the modern surveillance state um, years before it was in vogue, uh, goes and, 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 and self-corrects the, uh, the satellite um, and, and says, quote, I've heard that a lot of these babies go astray at a cost of millions, emphasis on millions. Uh, to government and industry, he says. Um, so, like, full credit to Denny O'Neill. Like, Tony Stark is, like, very much, like, in the pockets of the government and very much... He's mm -hmm. not like, oh, no, this is gonna... this uh, By my calculations, this satellite will hit Toronto and 250,000 people will die. He's like, this satellite is gonna cost a lot of money for the government. It's, right. uh... Can't have that happen. So, I mean... Um, I love that. I, think, I don't know. You know <laughs> Iron Man, Iron Man from the eighties is like a definitely is a completely different picture of the character than we, I think we know. And that's because of the Marvel movies have changed the depiction of what we think of Iron Man. Like dude was the hardest capitalist you could ever think of. <laughs> and it wasn't until John Favreau was just like, what if he's oh. already so rich that he can be a good person? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, He's got a one track mind and I gotta hand it to Denny O'Neill. Yeah, like I think yeah. I mean I think he knew what he was doing. Yeah, he was, yeah. And and so this kind of inspires him. He's got like a new set of armor here, which has like a daredevil black and red color palette going on. And it's got shoulder pads, so like you can kind of date when this came out. Um mm -hmm. but so he's kind of inspired by this whole thing. And he's like, hey, maybe space is the new frontier and I need to turn over a new leaf and not worry about fighting all of these bad guys and maybe stop drinking as much. And um, and uh, now he's having to deal with these 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 evil guys from this organization called AIM, um, oh, yeah. which was kind of a weird choice for Denny O'Neill. Like, obviously, this was before AOL Instant Messenger sort of took over that acronym. But like... <laughs> 
the American <laughs> Indian movement was at the time and still is like a very large, you know, uh, important organization with that acronym. And like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying if someone else took an acronym that you can't use it too, but it was very distracting to see them keep referring to themselves as AIM. Right. And I'm like, you are not representing either AIM that I know. Um, right. Like the old, the old classic of WWF. Um, oh yeah, being, yeah. You know, take it being <laughs> yeah. like the World Wildlife Foundation, and then the WWF had to change to WWE. And now, whenever I see World Wildlife Foundation yeah. with the panda and it says WWF, all I can think of is, is that Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> all I can think of is a is a panda suplexing someone into yeah, a yeah yeah into a collapsible table. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was uh kind of an interesting choice there on on Denny's choice, especially because the organization is advanced idea mechanics, which is mm-hmm. like, come on, you can do better than that. Well, and so these this, two, is this, this isn't the debut of that team, that organization, right? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. It's a pair of brothers. One of them keeps calling the other one, the scientist Supreme. Sure. Um. Yeah. They very much have like a cult, a cult, like, Thing. I mean, this is the ones I said you where all of their henchmen have giant conical yellow helmets that yeah, they yeah. look like. Um, for, for, I think longtime readers of, of of Marvel comics are very familiar with this team. Um, so you know this this being new, it it is kind of a strange organization because it's like a mix of a cult and advanced science, like science and stuff. So it's it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, and so like the, the their brothers, they hate each other. They're like, one of us is going to be smart enough to deal with Iron Man, and so they they try to take control of Modok, which is I guess supposed to be dead at this point. And um, the editor is like, we all know that Modok was killed by the Serpent Society in Captain America three thirteen. And if you don't know that, sure. what are you even doing with your life? And mm-hmm. um. I wish I was making that up. The first part literally was an editor's note. I mean, they didn't mm-hmm. get that direct, but it was like, oh my goodness. Um, so they get in a big fight, and and I love it because Tony Stark, um, before the fight, he's like, you know, I, I want to do space. And I'm like, well, you're rich. You can do whatever you want. And Tony's like, yeah, I just need to get some funding from some well-respected individuals in the community. I'm like, what? Sure. sure. Like, are you poor at this point? what well he's rich but he's not extra rich, <laughs> he's rich you know? but he doesn't want to spend his money right 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 um right. and so That's literally it shows rich. him putting on the iron man armor and going to conventions at like and, and going to like conference rooms at like marriott hotels and putting on powerpoint presentations great he like sails great. into the room the conference room and he like puts on a presentation about how he wants their money um yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I love this book so fucking much. There is so much absolutely bonkers shit going on, um, and he's hanging around with 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 Rhodes, Rhodey Rhodes, Jim Rhodes, yeah. James Rhodes, who 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 apparently has decided that the the nickname for Iron Man is 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 Shellhead, which I've never heard that nickname for Iron Man, but apparently it's yeah. happening. Yeah. Is that a is that a thing? I think that's a thing. This book also can't seem to decide if it's going to do and you see this as well with Batman, like do you see the eyes behind the mask or not? And this book seems to go back and forth on like are we going to show yeah. the eyes behind the mask or not? 
and you shouldn't it's, have to make that decision because it's fucking creepy and stop yeah. it. And I yeah, don't want to see it. <laughs> it's terrifying when you can see Tony's eyes behind the mask because in order to show them well, you can't like show a squinty eyed person. You have to like you have to show the eyes like wide and yeah. it looks like he's terrified behind the mask <laughs> constantly. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Anyway. So like that's, that's like, that is the very basic overview. It gets I wild. Mean, There's some woman in it who I guess I had to, I had, I, Michael, I had to go on the Marvel Wikia this week and mm-hmm, that's like, mm-hmm. I, how dare you, how dare you make me have to go on the Marvel Wikia um how dare you the the sheer gall i I had to look up this woman who becomes like war machine 2.0 and so i was reading that and it's like oh she also becomes iron woman and i'm like well i guess i gotta read this too um anyway it was a it was a it was a wild fucking issue um yeah it felt like like i was reading elon musk's life 30 years before it happened right 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 um well okay i i have so many questions but i do want yeah. to my book before i round back um, sure. to ask kind of a, a bigger question about all these um i read black panther from 1988 number four of four uh like i said this is by peter b gillis uh art by dennis cohen i couldn't find any other credits i'm sure there are other people i'm sure that i could have looked in the book and do that but i didn't because i'm um, lazy but let me let me actually do that right now because i think it's in here yeah uh inks by sam de la rosa letters by rick parker colors by quote max shiel um mark grunwald did the editing and tom defalco was the editor-in-chief at the time but um this book is really interesting because it's the end of a four issue miniseries um so I, i'm pretty sure that i'm missing a lot of context but what i gathered is that this story is about black panther still trying to prove himself in becoming the king of wakanda um he has you know, his his very high intellect, he's created a lot of technological things that benefit him. Um, but at the same time, he's still trying to prove himself um, while there is this ongoing uprising in a nearby country called um, Anzania. And it looks like somebody was trying to frame Black Panther as being the person who was leading this, quote, communist-led uprising in this other country when it was actually just the natives who lived in this country fighting or pushing back against the imperialist um white folks who I don't know where they were from, but the imperialist, like basically rulers of this country. Um, And so Black Panther was framed for that. It turns out that it was a combination of his Panther God trying to instill power within the people of Africa. And as well as uh, this third party secret agent, like Hitman that kind of showed up and was paid a bunch of money to help spurn this uprising. Um, So the issue follows Black Panther as he goes to seek out his final task in becoming the true king of Wakanda and he has to go fight this panther spirit um, Black Panther knows I should say T'Challa knows that this spirit created this fake version of him that caused this uprising and he tells the the deity you know why would I start a fight that I knew I couldn't win these people are only just trying to rebel and create a create war and strife in their country um, and it's a losing battle and there's better ways that you can do it um, through you know pr- peaceful protests and things like that uh, and for a movie that your book that came out in 1988 like this is a really powerful message and it's very on the nose talking about like african imperial imperialism within africa and as well as t'challa's just struggle in t- making sure that he is this rightful king who will do the right thing for all of his people and he will sacrifice himself before he sacrifices his country and his in the people of his country um there's a great line in this that's like wakanda's body is my body um so by the 
end, he ends up losing this fight with this panther spirit. Um, the panther spirit who is his god. Um, but he loses the physical fight, but he wins the, I guess, mental fight by explaining that he will again put himself before his country um to make sure that no one is harmed and to ensure that the country survives and i thought or the kingdom survives i thought that was a really powerful thing um and again the the final like bit with the rebellion was that like the the people who were running this country of anzania which are like all these white guys uh, meet with the chief of this native group that live in the country and they come to the conclusion that in order for the country anzania to succeed um, both people black and white have to come together to come to determine what the future of the country is going to look like and they're like i'm almost quoting things verbatim about how that issue ends because they're very upfront with like it's not about it's all about peace and union they're like no the white folks who live here and the black folks who lived here have to work together in order for this country to, to survive and do well and prosper. And I thought it was like a really powerful issue while also establishing a ton of Black Panther lore. So, yeah, this is a great issue. I, I feel like I need to go back and reread all of these. And if you were one of those folks who got um, all of those Black Panther comics for free off of Comixology, like this is a fantastic read. I think I'm going to, like I said, go back and reread the whole miniseries because it's really, really good. Um but yeah, so mine is is very politically motivated. It's a very, very, very serious book. Um, there's some cool possible. side characters. They uh, didn't it, politics yeah. didn't show up in comics until yeah, the eighties. Definitely had no didn't really have a lot of political stuff going on. Um, it's not like there was any kind of wild strife here in America or anything right. or in 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 Russia or in Europe. You know, I know it was really peaceful back then, but this is a really good political book. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, it's really good. It's really good. So. I, I'm curious to know, you know, Nick and Kate, I know Kate in specific, you said you hadn't read a lot of books that came out before the year 2000. Um, so I'm curious to know what you thought of this book. And Nick, you know, you feel free to chime in as well. Like picking up a book that is far, far, you know, behind in terms of like, or it, come from, it comes from a totally different time and a different culture in a lot of ways um, in the United States. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really interested to hear... Uh, Obviously, Kate said she she read the whole arc, so I think she can provide this insight. Um, I read Constantine, gosh, a while ago, and I was pretty surprised. Um, it's pretty unapologetically a real time, time capsule. Like, it's not a mm -hmm. book that is sort of timeless and, and, and sort of it's difficult to read between the lines. It's very much a book addressing... Um, Margaret Thatcher, uh, the Margaret Thatcher era, um, right in in um in England, and um, right, at least from the writer's perspective, in England, yeah, yeah, yeah he's were, yeah, you know, I think Jamie Delano's <laughs> the writer. He's not real keen on what's going on at the time, and I think that's to put it mildly. And so, when I was reading it, it not only was there a lot of British slang and 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 references to things that I definitely had to look up. But it was so much, you know, of a counterculture, uh, you know, peek behind the curtain at like what British politics and what British life was like in the in the 1980s that it, there was something of a barrier to entry, um, not only for me not being British, but also for me, you know, not not really growing up uh, at that point. So I, I was curious, did you did you have the same issues or is some of this just the fact that I was reading this a while ago and wasn't maybe being as 
careful of a reader as I should have been. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm reasonably. I've watched. I've watched enough BBC stuff. BBC, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that, I, that I'm familiar enough with like the time period in the UK that I that that wasn't a barrier for me. I mean, it was definitely noticeable. There was, I mean, there was Margaret Margaret Thatcher commentary. There was commentary about like um, who. Uh, British people were kind of racist against the, at the time. There was some homophobia, which mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if Jamie Delano's writing implied that the character was homophobic or if he was homophobic. I don't know. Mm. Um, it like was it was Constantine. Yeah, I mean that is that is crazy. <laughs> well, okay, so there was there was a character. There's some commentary that I assume was from the point of view of Constantine. Maybe the narrator had been different for a couple of pages and I didn't notice. Sure. Um, and then you find out that one of Constantine's friends is gay and has AIDS. So I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe this was like the writer was trying to show that Constantine is like growing as a person. Um, yeah. because, because of finding out that people that are close to him are maybe not, you know, they're, they're not who, he thought that they were or something i don't know um yeah. but so the other reason i i like yelled about that for a second is because constantine now is like very canonically bisexual bisexual yeah and yeah. so it's it's interesting to hear that um because i yeah i don't know i maybe i for some reason just had it in my head that that was other writers bringing up things that were maybe implied um in yeah. older like comics so that's that's crazy to hear that but again maybe you're to your point maybe he's growing maybe he's learning more about himself yeah. as the story goes on i mean i also could have misread it but the, uh this the idea that john is a is a dynamic character is kind of um emphasized in this book like he's i mean he's clearly being plagued by his past mistakes like people that he couldn't save and he's trying to Mm -hmm. um he kind of throws himself into um danger um even though he i'm pretty sure that he's mortal i'm not really sure if he's entirely human Um, no one knows i think doesn't the (laughs) demon blood kind of uh i think literally the demon blood iv sort of complicates that issue if i if 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 I remember right, it's it's been a while to quote. Hmm. Um, uh, is that stained? It's been a while. Yeah, that's stained. Yeah, sorry, right. sorry everyone. Listen, if we're gonna didn't read mean, references, just move on. Didn't mean to reference <laughs> stained, not, not intentionally. Um, Go ahead, yeah. Kate. Go ahead. But but even before the the demon blood IV, John really does throw himself into danger to to save other people. Although he does like have have a breaking point where he's like, no, this is too dangerous. I might not survive this if I don't leave. So he he mm-hmm. is like, um, you know, he's dy- dynamic, but also not like totally insane. <laughs> yeah, canonically a coward. I, I, I feel like a most Constantine <laughs> stories stem from Constantine not reading the terms and conditions, right? Yeah. And it's, it's it's somebody rolling in from two arcs back and being like, hey, remember when we said, remember when we agreed to X, Y, and Z, and now you have to work for me? And he's like, damn it. And that's right. like, I have to stop making deals with demons. Yeah, Why am he, I always really making does. deals with demons? He really does. Like, there's He really more- does. In more than one situation in this book, not necessarily with the demon specifically, but he keeps saying, like, I owe someone a favor or someone owes me a favor. Oh, um, sure. And that's really played off of. But I mean, I, I like, yeah, that's... man, as much as I don't really like what happens in this volume, like the different mm-hmm. um, 
the different things that he has to battle against. Um, some of the some of the the things that are more gory than they need to be. Uh, I really do like the character of John Constantine so far. I mean, he's just like he's kind of morally gray and and very yeah. humanized for for not knowing if he's human or not. <laughs> right, right. I, I I think what's interesting is that I feel like modern readers and people who have been exposed to Constantine largely through um, the show or wasn't he on what is it like adventurers of tomorrow or legends of legends of the legends of tomorrow hidden temple and um, (laughs) uh, like I feel like they see him more as like a snappy kind of man of action hero and what's so interesting and obviously uh, having having read this like volume I, I think people who get that idea of Constantine and then they go back and they read the comic um and 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 I feel like Constantine New 52 didn't help because I think Constantine New 52 also sort of made him like a super snappy super uh, quippy and he was always kind of quippy but like more droll I would say but they turned mm-hmm. him into like a very americanized man of action hero and then if you go back and read Constantine this comic it's such it feels in a lot of ways to me like there obviously are moments of horror and 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 terrifying things but it's also very like slice of life like british day-to-day living of him Mm -hmm. basically being like hey uh england kind of sucks right now um and it's it's really slow paced i don't know like i find and maybe you know kate tell me if this is true for you or not but like I think that's was kind of like a, a weird issue is that like the current image of Constantine seems very different than where the book starts. I feel like it ramps a little after volume one, but like volume one feels like, you know, it's, it's slow. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm. um, I, because of the kind of the episodic nature of these issues, it kind of felt like there was, um, periods of time missing between the issues and that's something that i that i missed like i want to know what john's day-to-day life looks like when he's not battling some kind of evil but the, i mean it's the- smoking i mean it's it's just <laughs> not i mean you should be able to read between the lines it's just constant smoke mm-hmm. but yeah the it did it, it did feel like time was moving slowly, but also there were a lot more words per page than I'm used to. Um, And then the the issues I, at least issue one was very long um, in terms of page count. I'm not sure if the rest of the issues were long, but there are, I want to say that there are 10 issues in this one volume, which is also more than I'm used to. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Like when they collected Constantine, they sort of, I don't know if they ever really collected it in like an arc trade format because it's such an older book. So I think when they did finally get around to collecting it, it's more Omni based. Yeah, yeah they're much bigger volumes. But yeah. you know, as much as I want to talk about Constantine, I do want to talk about Iron Man. Um, just to get your your thoughts about you know your depiction of Iron Man, I guess, and what you thought of this book coming out in the in eighty six. Um, and you know how Iron Man is portrayed, Nick. I know we kind of talked about it already, but maybe some yeah. other. I don't know if you had any other high level notes about it. Um, I mean, sure. I mean, I I would we we could definitely talk about uh 
Constantine more, but I mean, I get fine, <laughs> fine. Listen, no, hey. like honestly, like I think if I read that book now again, like he's making deals with demons and shit. But I think at, at the end, I would be like, you know what? I really don't like this smoking thing. Like that's what really <laughs> bothers me. You know. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, no, it's this this Iron Man issue is is wild. Like my one regret is I wish. I wish I could read the actual physical issue with like the ads in it because that's always like number one thing I love about old comics is like, give me, I've said this a million times on the show. Just give me the fucking Nintendo ads. Give me the Nintendo ads. Where's where's my book? You know, my my table book, coffee table, Nintendo. ad. Please, please. All the ads from the comic, from comic books from like the seventies to the mid nineties, please. Yeah, and all of like the Kool Aid ads too, where they're like, yeah, hey, yeah. Uh, if you save four hundred and fifty uh, Kool Aid uh, things, you can get uh, Metroid Two. Um, yeah, for yeah. Your, I mean, I remember that's burned in my brain like forever and ever. Uh, like 30, 30, will- 30 Kool Aid tabs equals metroid 2 for the game boy i will go on ebay and get you a copy of this metroid game if it yeah. if it means we can stop trying to collect these old kool-aid tabs please <laughs> oh man wait to, <laughs> wait till you see the collection of kool-aid tabs i have um <laughs> let me see what what else do i want to say about this um so yeah tony again like it really feels like elon musk because he's like you know what i think there's money to be made in privatizing space and i'm like what is this book are you going to <laughs> like and then on the next page he launches a car into space um and right. no i'm just i'm just kidding that would be i would i, mean, I honestly, would have lost my mind i thought um, you were being serious because that's totally believable of an <laughs> iron man comic yeah yeah and uh gosh what else happens here um yeah so there's this lady woman named bethany cabe again like i said never heard of her before but i guess she becomes iron woman and iron and war machine 2.0 and tony's like you know i love you and she's like i need to go back to germany for a while uh bye um sure and then he gets sad um the eye thing was jarring. Obviously, uh, I thought the art was was actually pretty good. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the Tony Stark mustache era, which um, one of those, which it feels very eighties. It's definitely okay. I'm I'm all right with that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, interesting. Ninety um, percent of this book's text is Tony talking to himself, like basically narrating his thought process of Hmm. like how smart he is and you know you basically get to see him work through everything like 90 percent of this is just thought bubbles of his own internal dialogue and that also very much feels like a a thing of its time like i think readers tolerance for that sort of thing is somewhat diminished and also you know, a show don't tell the, the, you know, the modern emphasis on show don't tell kind of Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gets away from that. But well, this is the thing that I noticed about like the Black Panther comic is that there's a lot of captions. Um, But I think the thought bubble and the caption thing, I think we've kind of, you know, we talked about this before that thought bubbles have just gone away with rare exception. Um, And now they've turned into captions. And I think if you look at a modern day Iron Man book, and I'll admit I haven't read an Iron Man book in probably four or five years, but 
you look at a modern day Iron Man book and there's a lot of captions still and it's Tony thinking to himself and planning and doing things. I think this idea that incredibly smart people um, think a lot inside their head to make plans and actions and all this other stuff that they've got actions and ideas for everything that they want to do, uh, I think is common when you're trying to portray that kind of character, someone who's always thinking about the next four, five, six, seven steps in chess. Um, and Tony Stark is definitely that person. But it sounds to me like this is just a very lazy way for the for the writers to be like, and Tony's going to do this next. And here's what he's thinking about or how he's going to do it. Um, and probably doing some like offhand remarks about things that he wouldn't say out loud because that's yeah. just who Tony Stark is. Right. And, and so it becomes a question of like, yeah, maybe this maybe thought bubbles aren't the best way of doing this, but like, what's the alternative? And as you said, I think really it's just thought bubbles evolving just into captions because the thought bubble is no longer, uh, apparently the thought bubble is not okay, but if you turn it into a square and you put it in the corner um, where it's out of the way, um, that's, that, that's good. Like, I feel like that deserves the Drake meme, you know, where he's like pushing it away. And yes, then he's like, yes. yeah, that's my shit. Like, yes, that's that's the thought bubble evolution to the caption. So if someone yeah. wants to make that meme, it's there. Um, yeah, it's there. <laughs> but uh, no, honestly, like not a bad book. I think I got lucky with the fact that it's it seems like it was the beginning of a new arc. The villain mm-hmm, seems mm-hmm. stupid. Tony is obviously very, very smart and ahead of his time. And at the end of the book, like, he has a couple meetings with people and then he's like, Hey, I got the money. And then he goes and puts the power plant for his, his space station um, in orbit. And I'm like, what an unrealistic depiction of the timeline for, right. for, for, um, you know, the creation of like space stations. Like I, I, I hope this didn't give anyone like false hope about mm-hmm. like the timeline because Tony's like, Hey, all I got to do is take other people's money and then I can go put this thing in, in space with my shoulder pad armor. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> totally normal thing to do. Uh, you know, I hope no, nobody like growing up was like, Oh man, it's, it's so easy to, to put a space. Th-. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if, if the worst or, thing you got yeah. out of comics from the eighties was like unrealistic <laughs> expectations about the, evolution of space innovation then i suppose that's fine right right um but again well, interesting really, it's elon musk like this book is yeah is, is it's it's elon musk right um which you know we all come full circle when we think about iron man 2 and you know elon musk shows up in that and uh oh my now, god uh, i know yeah. i forgot oh i forgot about that now we know so yeah i guess i i just want to just some final thoughts on black panther um I feel like this book is, like I said, very in your face about like a lot of the political stuff. I think yeah. that everyone should read it. It's very good. It's a it's a good issue. Just the number four, and I think if you read the whole series itself, I mean, the so fact I just that you've got to... a Dennis Cohen issue is fantastic. Yeah, and I mean Such Cohen's art, gifted is, penciler, is very very good. That was the one of the thing I wanted to talk about was like the art in this is stupendous. There is a, it's it's a shame to read this book in guided view. I will say that because the full page spreads for this, and or not the full page spreads, but just seeing the full page as it's laid out. Um, Cohen does some really interesting stuff on a couple of pages to for parallel like parallelizing things that are happening at the same time um, and you don't see that in the guided view but like to pull back and actually see it and the, the last couple of pages have some very interesting pieces of of art so um, yeah I, I think if you can check this book out but yeah the art in this is is stupendous I mean I, I I've seen the stuff for Constantine I haven't seen this Iron Man but from the clips you've shown me Nick it feels very 
very 80s and very bright in a way that kind of makes me feel like I need to turn the contrast down down on a picture. Um, but <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. one's really good. It's got a lot of a lot of dark greens and bright oranges and and browns and stuff. And, and like the way they depict the forest and some of the machinery that Black Panther uses is really really cool. So I would uh, definitely recommend it. But I don't know. We we are running a little bit out of tape. So uh, did you guys have any final thoughts, Kate? Any final thoughts about reading a book that came out the year and month that you were born? Um. Oh gosh. If I had to do it again, I would read something else. <laughs> Probably right, Black cool. real book. real good tonal shift at the end of this up. Real good. Yeah, I love it. I we're love gonna, it. It's going to be real hard to take this back to to positive and I thought it wouldn't be I thought I would be the one to blame for that. I would absolutely do this again um and read okay. something else that came out the same month that I was born or um you know uh, the same month that something happened in the world or I turned 5 or something like just interesting. Just knowing what comics were like during a certain point in in my life that is not when I was reading comics is really mm-hmm. uh uh, insightful i suppose um yeah knowing yeah. that you you guys both had a different experience with comics that came out around the same time as as hellblazer um is is encouraging yeah yeah well um i think we definitely want to do this again i think this is really fun uh nick what any any quick final thoughts quickly yeah yeah um <laughs> Uh, I I would want to highlight one other moment that I absolutely loved. Uh, so Modoc comes in and he smashes in the ceiling of this convention center, mm-hmm. and uh, Tony Stark de- deploys these like special beams that hold up the ceiling, and then basically gives a narration to all of the terrified spectators that um, this technology that is saving their lives is uh, is a proof of concept of what he's going to use on the space station. So. Um, even in those moments, um, always, always be presenting, right? Always be presenting <laughs> like, yes, make uh, that and then have Alec Baldwin pointing to the sign on the wall. Um, yes, I love it. It's, it's, a uh, it's, uh, he, Tony has a one track mind in this book and, and I love it. It's, uh, I, I, part of me actually may or may not try to read the issues that follow this please oh my gosh please let us know if you do because i really want to hear more about this abc stuff this always be capitalizing um mentality that tony seems to have in the 80s so i'd be curious to hear your thoughts in the future absolutely well kate and nick thank you guys for doing this thanks to everyone on the discord i want to shout that out we've been recording this episode live on discord so make sure you jump on our discord ircbpodcast.com slash discord and remember that you can follow us all on twitter you can follow kate at kate elfier you can follow nick at death star plans and you can follow me at mike rappin and the show at ircb podcast on twitter and instagram and we have a youtube that's out there like if you want to listen to our episodes on youtube for some reason it's out there for some reason some of our episodes keep getting age restricted but i've been repealing and they've gotten unbanned i don't know it's weird but if you want go subscribe there too you can listen to all of our episodes the show and our mini subscriber only episodes are are powered by fans like you on patreon join now at patreon.com slash ircb podcast and if you haven't already please rate and review our show five stars would be great on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts you can also join us on discord at ircb podcast 
uh, forward slash discord and make sure to tell a friend or two about the show please uh, infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all of our music we can't thank them enough i want to say thank you again to kate and nick for being on this episode thank you to everyone out there who listens to the show thank you to everyone who's listening right now on discord and you know just thank you for for being yourself we really appreciate that in these hard times and until next time comics are good and so are you